All right. Um, I went back to my notes. I was going back to my notes to see like what we've covered in the past. We've only talked about Parshat Shlach one time in like this whole, t- I don't know, in the many years we've been doing this. Um, and we've never talked about the Miraglim ever in this context, at least. I talked about another context, but not, not in this year. So I thought what we do is, we, and we can't possibly cover all of the different questions and problems and issues that exist within the story because the issues in this story are uh, enormous and uh, so difficult to understand. I mean, they're not as difficult to understand if you're really looking carefully at what's happening to B'nai Israel, but you know, throughout the, throughout the midbar, um, especially last week with the complaining uh, that goes on in the parsha, which we'll about that in a little bit. But the to really understand this story, obviously, is a bigger context. But I thought what we do is take a look at least at a few pieces of it and try to understand it better. So let's start right from the beginning. So Hashem spoke to Moshe and he tells him the following: Send for yourself people. And they should, you know, spy out the land. So each each person, one from each Shevet, um, in each of the Nisim, it sounds like, or one of the leaders. So Moshe sends them. And who are they? They're not just regular people, they are... Heads, serious people, not, not every one of them is a Nasi, but they're all very important members of their tribe. Fine. The Torah then lists all the people, and then it lists what they did. They went through, they went to this place, went to that place, fine. And then comes Pasach Hafei. Pasach Hafei tells us the following. Um, fine. So after, after Moshe Rabbeinu, so fine. So after he sends them, they go, and now Pasach Hafei, they come back. They come back, and they come back from, from traveling the land for 40 days. What's fascinating about that? 40, it's that always 40 days. Everything in the Torah, it's, it's, it's crazy. They have to go 40 days? Yeah. Well, they're going to come they couldn't back go 35 days. They couldn't go 35 days. They couldn't go 27 days. I'm just saying, like, yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty interesting, right? If you ask you the different things that are 40 days, this is not one of the ones that like pops out of that's usually 40 days. No. But fine, 40 days. Fine. Come back after 40 days. We're not going to talk about that today. Unless someone has a good answer to that question as we go through. They come back to the same place. And they explain to them what happened. And they show them the fruit of the land, right? Which was ginormous and fine. Okay. And they told him, This is the land. We went there and this is the land and it really is a land flowing milk and honey. Rashi points out, even a person who's going to lie has to start with a little bit of truth. If you don't have any truth, no one's going to believe you. So you have to start with a little bit of truth before you start your lying. Okay. Shakespeare copy their friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. There you go. There you so go. Exactly. Exactly. Be smart. He, exactly. He learned from the Torah. <laughs> <laughs> FS. FS sounds like but or however. 
Right, it's it's nice, but the nation is really very strong. It's everything before it's zero. Yeah, FS, good, zero, yeah. FS, it cancels out, whatever it comes before it, very good. Yes, excellent. Um, right, and the, and the, you got it? Yeah. Got it? And the, um, and the, the cities are really fortified. We got really the Hanakri in Yusham, and we even saw giants living there. Amalek, Yoshev, Eretz Hadega. What if you want to scare the people? Who's the first nation you should mention that's in Eretz Canaan? Amalek. Because they remember Amalek. Amalek was the first nation to attack them. Guess who's waiting for us when we get in? It could be she, it could be she buzzing from the do, from the office. I think she got in. She got in. I think she got in. Got in. <laughs> thank you. So uh, good. Thank you. So um, right, you want to scare them? Tell them that Amalek is there. Right, that's going to really scare them. Okay. Um, the bottom line is list all the many nations you're going to have to go fighting against, right? Go ahead to scare them. Okay. Um, and what happens then? And what happens? Now, Kalev steps up. Vayahas Kalev Esa'am El Moshe. Kalev quiets the people. He stands up to say something. Vayomer, and he says, Kalev says, let's go, because we can do it. What does Kalev not say? That that's not true. That all those things are true. <laughs> Don't that. worry. Don't worry, it's not well, true. Right. doesn't say that. He just says... We can do it. Right. Don't worry, we can do it. He doesn't say it's not true. We're going to talk about that. Okay, interesting, right? Say, say it's not true. Right? Okay. And everyone else said, not true. We can't do it. They're too strong for us. For us. It's a land that eats its inhabitants. And everyone we saw were humongous. etc. And then they say, And we were in their eyes like grasshoppers, and that's how we felt when we saw them. Okay. So there's like a million questions to ask about this story, but let's talk about a few of them. Okay, so first of all, one question I think is interesting is this question of Kalev. Why doesn't Kalev deny? How can he? Ah. He's one person against okay. he does the something. majority that all said... You know, it's a land with five enemies there, and it's a land that eats its people. Like, how could he argue against all of that? Okay, okay. Who's going to believe him? Yeah, Alana. It's actually interesting because I did a lot of cognitive behavior therapy for my son when he had separation anxiety, and I could have saved all my money by just (laughs) reading his parsha. Because number one point is that you never say the word but. You say, like, I know it's scary. And... You're going to be okay. And then the other thing is that if a kid is, let's say, like, there's an irrational fear, you, you have to empathize. You have to say, like, I know you think it's scary. That's what Khalid is doing. Right. He's saying, like, I know you feel that we're like grasshoppers or, or, or like, right. we can't do I know. But we can, and, and we can do it anyways. Do it. Like, it's literally right. kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. There's a lot. It's amazing. I had a whole vort once. I don't say a lot of my own vorts, but I had my own vort once about attachment theory and Klai Israel. Mm-hmm. And the Jewish people are really, um, they're not, 
they don't have a healthy attachment to Kadosh Baruch because they're they're not used to. He just shows up out of nowhere, and then he, and then they're nervous. They say that he's le- that he's leaving them. Right. You don't see him, right. and that they, they they never create a secure attachment with the Kadosh Baruch and that's what they can't. That's what they can't handle it. Right. Every time he starts to go away, they freak out, which is what happens in when there's insecure attachment. Right. But um, but but <laughs> yeah. But that's that's sort of like but whatever. There's a lot to say there. But yes, there's a lot to say about psychology and this story. Good, um, good. But there are other problems here, bigger problems. Well, there's some of the big problems with this whole story. Well, the whole like why why is God sending? Like He knows what's going to happen. Like He could have just said like No, I don't want you guys to go in. Right. Why let it happen in the first place? Why does Hashem allow this? Good. Yeah. Okay, it makes sense, and I don't know if I think we've said before that the word Latour mm-hmm. is to scout out, it's not to spy on, and that's the normal thing any group would do before they settle the lands. Like, you want to go and see what you're up against, mm-hmm. and it could be a positive. Uh, Hashem, we're ready to conquer Eretz Israel, so right. we're going to go and understand lay of the lands and come up with our plan, mm-hmm. and we're with you, or we believe you. So maybe that's not us. so bad. So, they went in maybe with the right attitude intentions. and right intentions, right? And, and if they, they went with the right attitude and right intentions, and they were on a shim, let's look you know, at the, significant people. Ah, look at source number three for they one second. Just schleppers alone. Good. Right? Look at source number three for a second. Skip two. We'll come back to two in a second. Look at source number three. Kulam on says Rashi. Kol on Ashim shebimikra lashon chashivus vosa shak sheirim hayu. Anashim means they were Khashiva people. These were not Stam people. These were these were appropriate, good, strong Jews. They were outstanding individuals, leaders in the community. So that's wonderful, but that makes it worse. What in the world happened to them? Like what happened? How did that happen? Right? And maybe part of the answer to some of this stuff starts at source number two. Which we're gonna get to the answer to question number two at the end, hopefully. Source number two. This is like, you know, I feel, I don't know, for some reason I feel like every time this happens in the parsha this year, I've been talked about it in the shul, but like any time the Torah has two stories put next to each other, Chazal always asks the question, why these two? Right? Why, why do you have the Just Sota and Nazir? Why do you have, right, there's all kinds of stories. Why are these two stories next to each other? Same question here. Shlach Chan Hashim says Rashi, Lama Nismicha Parshas Miragam, the Parshas Miriam. Right? Why did we? So par- ah, good, uh, good. So Parsha's Miriam is la- the end of last week's Parsha, right? Miriam and Aaron speak lashon hara by Moshe Beinu. So you have the lashon hara of Aaron and Miriam. The immediate next story is Shlach Nachanashin, the story of the spies. So what's the connection? Because they were punished. Mainly, she was punished for speaking lashon hara about Moshe Rabbeinu. If you're a shayim halalu. Ra'u v'lalachu Musar. And these Rishayim, which is funny that Rashi in the next line tells us that they were Sadiqim. But these Rishayim saw what happened to Miriam. Everybody saw. Everyone knew what happened to Miriam. V'lalachu Musar. Didn't learn their lesson. How do we usually explain that? Lashon Hara on the person, Lashon Hara on the land. But on the other hand, they say that there's no really consequence before or after in the Torah. It's just lessons. I mean, you don't know if it really happened immediately after. Or oh, not. good, right? But the Torah, the Torah places the two stories together for a re- there's something. To- exactly your point, I think, is that we don't always know which stories happen in which order entirely. Assuming that a mukta, some of the Rishonim assume that it's always in order, but some we don't know. 
this and, one is but this, But the fact that the Torah places them next to each other is to teach us some type of lesson. And here, Chazasi, the lesson is Lashon Har. But I think the but question... she got Sarat, and none of them, they weren't punished with Sarat. They so. were, the question was some way worse. They died yeah. in a really but yucky, Tishibav. bad way. But we, we, they die. I mean, they die. She gets Saras and they die. Right. So, so why? Because she's a Tzadikas. Maybe it wasn't as bad what she did. What she did was Lashon Har about one person, was Moshe Rabbeinu. She got punished. They caused it's all like, of Am Yisrael to not want to go into Eretz Yisrael and they made us travel the, the, the Midbar for another 38 and a half years. So, you know, uh, what they did was worse, but there was a lesson here for them to learn that they didn't learn. Yeah. But also, back in the Parsha before, when we learned about the Kimitz Onanim, it also doesn't really make sense that they don't like the desert anymore. It's like, even if Israel, like fighting for Israel is going to be difficult, they're not happy in the desert. Mm-hmm. So, why they, so why don't they want to go in? So meaning, right. Like, what's the deal? Even more so. Like, right. Don't you want to go in? You just finished saying, like, you hate it here. You hate it here. Right. Right. Good. So Good. It's so like, what? So basically, it's like, what is happening with Kalev? What is happening with the people? What is happening with these, with these uh, Anashim who turn bad? Like, what's this, what's this about? Like, what's really going on here? Yes? Yes. Yes. Okay, thanks, thanks, everyone. I appreciate that. Okay, what is going on here? Good. So I want to go one, let's go one issue at a time. And you'll tell me if you like these ideas, if you don't like them, that's okay too. But we're going to try. We're going to try. Um, so let's start, let's start with this Anashim um, Chashuvim thing, okay? Um, and before you look inside just yet, I want to <coughs> share with you one idea from the Rambam. Because the Rambam, we're going to see the Zohar. But the Rambam, because this is a, this idea of the Anashim, and the truth is, you know, you can even look for a second, look for a second at the Zohar first. The Zohar in source number four, I'm not proficient in Zohar. I saw a quote at somewhere. I don't learn Zohar yet. I'm not 40 yet. I'm not 40 yet. I'm not 40 yet. I'm turning 39 really soon. I'm not 40 yet. Um, but uh, when, I, when, I came, when I came on my Prabha here, when I came on my Prabha here, I was hoping that no one would ask me how old I was. Because I wasn't, I was still 29. I think we all knew. I think I was we still, all knew you, you all knew. You knew I wasn't even 30, you knew, whatever. I was still 29. I was going to turn 30 before I would start. It's because you said so like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't notice. Um, but anyways, take a, take a look. So yeah, but no one asked me that the official, no one said like, how? I don't have the two in front of my name. My name. Look at the Zohar. Source number four. Kulam anashim. Kulam zakayim hayu v'rosha yisrael hayu. Right, the source number four. They were wonderful leaders, good people. They gave themselves bad advice. What does that mean? Why did they take bad advice to themselves? They said, If Yisrael goes into Eretz Yisrael, What's going to happen? Moshe, we're gonna, new we're gonna lose our jobs. And we're, gonna... we're gonna lose our jobs, which is kind of funny because you might have thought they would. They're gonna have every tribe's gonna need like their leaders will be even more important. Okay, yeah. but they, they were just gonna lose their jobs. Maybe that was we were just like midbar people. We were the transition team. You know, we weren't like the real, the real leaders. Because they gave themselves such bad advice. They were worried about what's going to happen to them. They ended up in this tragic scenario. Selfish. It's kind of selfish. 
Also, like it's pretty important people, believe, like it's, it's right. It's kind of hard to believe. Hard to believe, except for the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was not the leader Hashem sends into Eretz Yisrael. He sends Yahushua. So maybe there really is some. <laughs> Turns like, out, self-fulfilling self prophecy thinking. a little bit. Yeah. That is true. The times right. they, they are changing. No, they don't. But I'm saying, like to me, it's it's strange. Moshe like, is saying it's interesting that it actually happens. Right. And well, it happens like, the opposite. I, I what they're afraid of, you know thought that would be their line of thinking. Yeah. That's not the like, thing you like, would think is no. the issue, right? right? Okay. So I'm going to share with you a Rambam. Okay, I'm going to share you a Rambam. A reformant in every... This is not a reformant idea. But every, it, or it is, but I just don't know that it is. But a reformant in every idea that he shares... Like, oh, I shouldn't say every. Almost every idea that he shares, he always says, if you want to understand what's happening in Sefer Midbar, you have to go back to Gan Eden. Every story he starts with, Every answer to every question is like, you have to go back to Ghanaian. Not, not every, but a lot. But this one you do a little bit, okay? The Rabbin in the morning of asked the following question. He says like this. He says, we know that you don't have anything inside here. He says, we know that Adam and Chava, they sinned. even ate Adas Tovara. And now what are they going to be, right? Now they eat the Eitz Adas. Now what happens? Now they are people, Yodei Tovara. They know good and bad. So the Rabbin asks in the morning of Ruchim, What's so what did they know that? before? Well, isn't that what human beings do? We, we try to discern good from bad. That's our job. What did they have? Yes. That's how they sinned. That's why they sinned. That's why they sinned. They have Bechir Chavshis. So if they have Bechir Chavshis and they didn't know good from bad before, then what in the world, what, what was life even like? What, was, what does that even mean? So the Rabbim answers in the morning of Bechim, no, they, before Tovarah, they understood something more important. They knew MS versus Shekhar, truth versus falsehood. What's the difference between MS, truth versus falsehood? The difference is as follows. Good, something being good, right, is subjective. Right, what makes something good? Maybe a great example. This is not a great example, but it's an example that I find fascinating. I don't know why I found it fascinating. But I look around, like I sometimes I look around, like I work in Yeshiva, and I see like young guys who like they all, like, it's like different fashion trends over the years, you know? So, like, I'll give you an example. It's, like, so silly, but it's so interesting. If you would have asked me, like, tell someone, like, to place a sneaker bottom on a dress shoe 10 years ago, it would have said to you, like, are you, what's wrong with you? That's, like, so weird. Why would you put sneaker bottoms on a dress shoe, right? Today, it is, like, the coolest thing in the world to have, like, your bottom of your shoes are, like, sneakers, and the top is, it's, like, shopper shoes that have, okay, and don't get me wrong, I have them also. They're cool. But, like, it's only cool because... Somebody said so and got a few cool people to do it. Right? And now it suddenly became we cool. We call it marketing, no? It's marketing, right? <laughs> anything can become cool in, and in anything. and whatever, right? And it's like, why? it's such a silly example, but it's actually, it, it brings out the point very well. Like, so I look at my parent, pictures of my parents, you know, when they were young, right? And like, orange and shag, you know, and, it, and you're like, that's ridiculous until then becomes cool again, right? It's like you wait long enough if you don't redo your house, right? Change All of a sudden, it becomes cool again, right? Some of your clothes, they're back in style. Back in style, right? Hold on to them for a while. They become back in style. What's the point? The point is that good and bad is totally relative. It's subjective. Good and bad, look at the world around us, right? Good and bad is totally subjective. God help us. Right? <laughs> it's totally subjective. And, and, what happens to Adam and Chava is instead of asking them myself, what is the truth? What is objectively true? They start to look around. Mm-hmm. 
And what's the first thing that happens to Adam and Chava when they see when Hashem says Ayaka and they get nervous? What do they do? They hide. They hide. Why do they hide? Why do they hide? They think Hashem can't see them. They think Hashem can't see them because they're Arumim Haim. They're not wearing any clothes. They realize they're naked. But they had no clothes before. What happened all of a sudden? Now they're worried what other people think. <laughs> or now they care what's in style. Before they just, it, oh, who cares? Now, all of a sudden, don't get me wrong, we should wear clothes. But I'm just saying like... It, but there was nobody else around. Right, the but they, all of a sudden they start to look at themselves, not just what am, what am I, they start looking at themselves based on what other people think of me. Right? And once we start looking in that direction, all of a sudden we become... Confused. Who is the first person who starts to fix that which Adam and Chava messed up? Avram Avinu. What is the unique quality of Avram Avinu? What is he called? Avram Ha'ivri. Everyone's on this side and I'm on the, a, on the other Aver. Everyone's here and I'm over there. Why am I over there? Because I believe something that no one else believes. And you know what? I don't care. So what? So everyone else believes something else. I don't think that they're correct. So I'm not going to do it just because everyone else says so. Right, there's a thousand, get back to psychology, so a thousand psychological studies. Kalev, then right? actually his odds were, were more challenging. Then Kalev, yeah, that's why Avram Avinu was Avram Avinu. Right? He had a certain sense of self and the ability to say, I believe this, I know it to be the truth, and I'm going to follow it anyways. Right? That is some, that's what it means to be, right, MS for Shekhar. Okay, so what, what does that have to do with anything? So I think that's what's happening in the Zohar. Right? What happens in the Zohar is what happens. They say to themselves, what happens if we go into land? They don't need me anymore. My entire being is dependent on what people, kulam anashim, chashuvim. Yeah, they were chashuvim. And what was their identity? Anashim chashuvim. And if they were going to lose that, they would lose themselves. Because if my identity becomes totally caught up in what people think of me, then I lose myself. Right? They're not bad people. It's not bad people, but they... They didn't have that sense of self, of understanding what it means to be me and not to care what other people are, are throwing my way or thinking about me. Right. I got to do, I gotta do what the truth is. I don't have to be that. So look what the liver of Cook writes in source number five. Really beautiful idea that he writes in source number five. My real self doesn't get revealed to other people. Right, just based on the amount of purity and, and, and kedusha that I have. What matters about me is not what people see or think. It's what I have burning inside of me. That's who I really am. The things that people don't see. Right, that's the real me. And then he writes at the end. But if a person doesn't really know who they are. Right, and by the way, when Hashem calls out Adam and Chava. And he says to them, Ayaka, where are you? They don't they respond. Because they don't know. Sure. They've, forg- they've lost that sense of who they are because they're so caught up in what is people, what is Hashem thinking of me? What is others thinking? Right? I don't know who I am anymore. When I lose Emes Rashek, I just have Tovara. So then I am I'm, I'm dependent on what other people think. And I can't even ask the question. Obviously, that's too extreme. I can't even answer the question, who am I? And so Rav Cook writes, and that's by the way what happens also in Zahav. We forget who we are. We just want to be like everybody else. Right? It's a lot, usually when we sin, we get pulled into what others think, what others think are, is, is, is meaningful, what others think is, is fun and exciting and, and, 
and enjoyable, right? We get pulled into what others drag us to, forgetting who we can really be. So says Rav Kook at the end, and if I don't know really who I am, ain't who, I can't focus on HaKadosh Baruch Hu either. If I don't really know who, my, who I am myself, I can't focus on, I can't help somebody else either. Right? When I lose my sense of self, then I can't do anything. And I can't be there for someone else, etc. So what, this argument is not the only argument, but it's an I think, interesting argument in terms of what the Kulam Anashim Roshay Bnei Yisrael what I think the Zohar maybe is getting at. What? They were really so worried, like, I'm going to lose my job. It's much more about, like, how, how am I going to manage if somehow it does happen? When there's change, right, Alana, you're talking about, right? Moving from one place to another, moving from one situation to another. Whenever there's change, we get worried that things, things are starting to shift under our feet. The ground is shifting. And I get worried, what else is going to happen? When's the next shoe going to drop? And if I don't have a good sense of whatever it is, it'll be okay. I, I know who I am. I'll find my way, right? If I don't have that, so then I get lost, right? And it could be that, that the, the enormity of the change, as much as they didn't like being in the midbar, the enormity of the change scared them so much that it caused them to, you know, it's step out of bounds. Unknown. It's an unknown. Scary. How many people don't want to change? How many people didn't, like, the Medrash, didn't leave Mitzrayim? Being, they'd rather be a slave than change. Because change is very hard. Right? And so I, I just think it's an, it's an interesting approach to this idea of, this first issue of, what happened to the Anashim Chashuvim? Right, these very chashuvah people, how do they lose themselves? The answer is, sometimes when we're on Hashim Hashim, it fits a little bit what we mentioned last week from those nine Torah that the Levim, right, had to do the Tahara process ahead of time because when you become the Levi, right, you can get yourself caught up, right, in, in, that, in that power, right, and you lose yourself a little bit. You can forget who you are. Fine. What do we want to say? Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Good. Okay. So I want to so share with you. So that, now let's talk about a different issue. Okay. Um, wh- why doesn't Kalev say anything? Why doesn't Kalev say anything? Because he's afraid. Okay. Why is he afraid? Afraid they'll storm at him or do something to him. Well, he, he still did say, he still did say, we can do it. But you're saying he's afraid that if he contradicts them, might come after him, which has historical rep. You know, historical validity. If you at least go into the Medrash, what happens when Aaron, when the Amisha want Chet Egel? And Aaron says, Aaron saw what happened to Chur, Chur had died. Right? They, they assassinate. They kill Chur. It's a Medrash. But yeah, that the Chur is killed. Not so, it's not hard to imagine, right? For standing up. And that's what Aaron saw. Psychology. Right, so maybe he was, was nervous. Good. Maybe he was nervous. But again, why doesn't he, why doesn't he, let's assume that he was more brave than that. Because he says, Vayahas Kalev, Kalev quiets them. But he refuses to say, it's not true. It's not an error to Kalev's Maybe just to kind of be a people pleaser and please everybody. Kind of play both sides. I Meaning he says we can, but he's not going to contradict them because he doesn't want to like, he's like being smart, like politically a little more savvy. Okay. Well, he's coming from Yehuda, right? Uh, Kalev is from Yehuda, yeah. And Yehuda's story, Yehuda's the one who said, let's just sell him Yosef for the <laughs> Huda is the one who says that's some Egyptians, yes. So it's like funny because it's also like it's not Yehuda just saying like, guys, this is our brother. 
let's bring him home back to dad. It's like a middle place. Okay. Not, I don't want to say the word manipulate, but like, let's take other people's bad and we'll just try to like push it in and make a little less bad. Yeah. 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 Without going all the way. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I'm going to show you another idea from the Ish Kodesh. I don't think we've quoted the Ish Kodesh in a very long time or maybe ever. I don't know. The Ish Kodesh is written by, it's actually not written by him, but it, was, it is the Drushes of a common Kalanimus Shapira. Rav Shapira was the Rebbe of Piazetsna, which is a town in Poland. And then he gets taken eventually to the Warsaw Ghetto and becomes like the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto. And, this, and the Vorts, the Divrei Torah that are shared in the Sefer Eish Kodesh were the ideas that others wrote down after Shabbos. He would say a word like Shal Shittis, and then they'd go back and they'd write it down and then they, and then they um, buried it. They buried the manuscripts. And it was later after the war, it was dug up. Someone dug them up and they found them and they published them. Sefer Eish Kodesh. The, safe, the place Eish Kodesh in the five towns is named after this, after the Sefer. Did he survive? So, he did not survive. He was killed. Um... And he writes like this, or he said like this. So what, why didn't he go piece by piece and explain why the argument of the Meraglam is wrong? And he writes like this. This has to be the way, the Amuna of an Ish Yisraeli. Again, imagine a person sitting in the Warsaw Ghetto talking about the Amuna of a Jew in difficult times, right? Right? It's not only when you see a pathway to your salvation, gam al pisichlo, meaning a rational explanation, v'derech ha'teva, or a natural way, yamin ba'ashem sheyoshiyuhu, v'yitzchazek. You might think, like, when is an easier time? Someone said this to me, actually, not so long ago. I had this person sitting with me who was having a hard time with something, and they said, I don't see, like, a pathway, like, that's how we feel. I don't see a way out. Right? That's like the hardest feeling for a person. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can't imagine it. Right? I, I can't see what that's... Like, if we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, so we can manage our way through. But sometimes I can't see anything. It just looks black. There's a wall in front of me. I feel like there's no, no way out. Imagine... Like hopeless. 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 Right? When a person's clinically depressed, that's how they feel, right? They feel like I, I, there is no... I feel like there's no way out. I feel like this forever. Right? So says, says the Rebbe, emuna does not mean that I believe there's a way out only when I see it in some type of natural. Oh yeah, like this could happen and that could happen. I could get a job and I could this. Like, no. That's not the only way you have emuna. Rak gam Maybe even times, he says, when you can't see any natural way out. Emuna means, and bitachon means, that I trust in a Baruch Hu, that he'll find my, or I should say, Emuna means that Kodesh Baruch Hu can find any way out. Bitachon means, right, that I trust Hashem, that whatever he's going to do will be good, even if it's not what I want. It's what Hashem wants, right? But he says, Emuna means, I, I believe that a Kodesh Baruch Hu could do anything. By the way, I've said this like a lot of times, but Bitachon does not mean, or Kron likes to say this, he quoted from Shimon Schwab, Bitachon does not mean Hashem will do what I want. Bitachon does not mean I trust Hashem will do, will, will save me. I tr- Bitachon means I trust Hashem will cure me from my, no, that's not Bitachon. Bitachon means I trust that Hashem has a plan and it's the right thing, even if it's not what I want, right? But what he's saying is that to have a Muna means 
to know that Kadosh Baruch Hu is with me and he, can, and he can find any way out, even if it seems that it's impossible. Okay? Ve'adarab, and just the opposite. Bishazu, in that moment, tov shaloyit akesh limtso eizeseicha. Wow, he says, I'll tell you something. He goes, better not to spend your time sometimes trying to figure the rational way. Right? Oh, well, this could happen and that could happen. Obviously, if a person can do something, we should do something. But he's, he's talking about like when, we, when we're just thinking about it, right? Like, well, I don't know, maybe this will happen to me and that'll happen to me. And No. If, if really rationally it's not going to happen, so then, you, then you're going to get... If I, if, my, if I only can, can you know, see a pathway forward when I can see the pathway forward, then in moments when I can't, I'm going to collapse. I'm going to lose it. Right? I'll lose my emuna. And then it can be a self-fulfilling, right? It can, it can, you, can, you can actually sabotage yourself. You'll stop believing. The person's not believing, so you have less zuchuyos, etc. The more I believe, the more zuchuyos you have. It's very par- this is very difficult stuff. But imagine, again, who he's talking to. Okay? So now he says, Rak tzarich leomar bechol emes, hakol emes, sha'az ha'am hayoshev ba. So he's going to connect it back to our story. So what do you have to say? It's the truth. Why didn't Kalev say anything? Because it was true. They were strong. They are, they are very strong. It is a fortified city. And, and what do I believe? That Akash Baruch can do it anyways. We're going to go. Below Seichel, below Svara, without some explanation and some, uh, I'll tell you, military strategy. And when we have that Amuna, it actually brings us closer to it. And the Zechus of that Amuna. It's very challenging stuff, but very powerful stuff. What, the, what, the, what Rav Shapira is saying is that the reason Kalev doesn't try to explain a rationale, right, is because. It was taka true. It was the truth. There's a, a wall in front of us, guys. It's black. But there's one thing that we have that no one else has. Hashem. You know, you're bummer shalom. And B'tachan is just believing that Hashem will take care of it no matter how he does He'll it. He'll take care of something. Right? But by the way, here it's easy, easier in a certain sense because he promised it. He told us he's going to do it. Right? So like it's not, it's, in our lives it's harder. We don't have that, you know, we don't, we don't like have that like voice telling us like just by the way I'm going to take care of it it'll be fine right they had that right and still it was hard for them but the point is that Kalev doesn't say to them no it's not true it's going to be fine right why because it wasn't going to be fine it was really hard these were strong giant people these were very very diff- it's a very difficult land Eretz Yisrael is still a difficult land but why didn't Kalev say where is Hashem and his Pasa where is we can do it. We can do it. Right. Bosh, we have the Yibosh Shalom. But he With doesn't. Hashem. Right. Like, I would have liked to have seen Why don't you say Hashem? Yeah. I would have liked to have seen, have faith in God, we yeah. can do it. Right. And he just was like, no, we can do it. I don't like that. Not as convincing. Okay. Not as convincing. Not as convincing. Wow. It's just, it's tough. It's tough that he... That he doesn't use he the language doesn't of Hashem. Bring the language of Hashem. He could have said, I don't Hold on one second. I want, I want to look up one thing. Okay. Before I accept okay. your. Don't accept it. Well, I don't <laughs> it. Well, again, we can agree to disagree. But, yeah. but 
But I want to see that the end of the Pasuk, the end of the story, because he, he says one more thing. And Hashem keeps his promises, so we, we will be okay whatever right. happens. You know, he could have said that. And furthermore, because I have a great, a great answer in here, is that why is it that Kalev speaks up and not Yehoshua, and then Yehoshua is the one who leads the Jews into Israel, right? So actually, if you see in the Pasuk when it says that Kalev said, guys, we could do it, it's only when he says, guys, we can do Just- it, yeah, yeah, go. Okay, ready? Yeah. We're ready. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. The yeah, next parak yeah. continues that they are, they start to cry. And they start to complain to Moshe, how do you do this? You took us to the land, to, 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 to the Midbar to kill us. Just to make us die. They're all going to murder us. Let's go back to Mitzrayim. They, they say this like all the time, right? We'll go back to Mitzrayim. And Moshe and Aaron fall on their faces. They tear their clothing. And they say, Sorry, uh, yeah. They actually say, It is good. And then they say, Hashem wants us. If Hashem wants us to do this, basically, we can do it. So he does say, Beautiful. he does talk about Hashem afterwards. Okay. So I saved it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did I save it? Yeah. No, not yet. Okay, maybe. Um, the problem is I saved it by him saying the opposite, though. He still says, Tavares right? right? He does say Tavares right? But I think the point is, I think the point is that the, the initial point, right, is that if we, right, when we depend on, right, on things only being rationally possible, right? Then we limit ourselves, right? Because we, we all know, we, I, I don't know about you, we've all had you know, scenarios in our life where we think something's going to go a certain way, it's lost, it's impossible, and somehow... It works out. It works out. Okay, but then somehow we say, and this is like the opposite, because here... No, means if you have things that you can do, right. then you do them. Don't depend on a miracle. So don't depend saying, on a miracle. we don't... We don't think we can conquer. Okay, but Hashem yeah, commanded Hashem us to go in. Going. But Hashem said go. So that's like keeping Shabbos when you you know on the Lower East Side when everyone didn't have a job and God said, but you have to keep Shabbos. Right. So I'm saying that's why people lost their jobs. I'm saying they're right. so following God's path. Yeah. Hashem told them to go in, and now they're like, ah, we don't think so. Like you don't well, think so, God? Yeah. God, God told you to go in. Okay, it's complicated <laughs> okay, stuff, right? This, this yeah. is difficult. And but by the way, you find the same thing. This this and this is a, a famous word of the of the, of the Chavetz Chaim, right? When they talk about the grasshoppers, right? What do they say? Right? We were in their eyes like grasshoppers. We felt like grasshoppers, and that's how they saw us. The Chavetz Chaim says exactly. Because if you because you felt right. like grasshoppers, that's why you became like grasshoppers. You you feel like no one's there to help you. Right? Self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? And that's exactly what happens to the whole story. The whole story is a self-fulfilling prophecy. We don't believe in ourselves. We don't believe we can do it. We're nervous it's going to happen to us. And we're worried, we're worried, we're worried. We can't, we can't, we can't. And I go, you know what? You're right. You're right. You can't. You're right. You can't. You can't. I can't help you anymore. I said on Shabbos, that's why Moshe Benu says when they start to complain, he says, kill me already. Kill me already. What's the answer? Once they're complaining about nonsense... And it's just like, what's the, look, this happened to me, and that happened to me, and this happened to me, and I have nothing to do, I can't do anything. When we come 
be loath, become self self loathing, then no one can help you, right? Unless a person decides <laughs> to say, you know what? Again, sometimes it's very difficult. Don't get me wrong, right? But it's only, it, even when it's very difficult, it's only a person only opens up to the world when they do something bad, when they're willing to go, right? And and I think that's that's the point here also, and that's what that's what Kalev is saying to them is, Chavra, we can do this, but I'm not going to tell you that it's easy because it's not easy, and I'm not going to tell you that they're not giants because they are giants. What I'm going to tell you is that the Rebbe Shalom is here to help us. That's still and very difficult. And he promised. And he promised. And he promised. Yeah. But it, but you see how hard it was for them, and, and it should make us you know maybe helps us feel better sometimes when we have a hard time, like. Pushing through, like they had a hard time pushing through, even though they had promises. They saw Kriyas Yamsuf. They saw hail fall from the sky with fire inside. Right? They saw everything. They had mud every single morning, and they still like have a hard time pushing through. But Kadosh Baruch asked them, because it's hard for them to see it for themselves. Okay, I have three minutes. I'm gonna tell you one last idea. Okay, one last idea. This relates to this question: Lama Nisbacha. What's the story of Miriam? Connected to the Miraglim. Salvatrix has a beautiful, beautiful explanation to this chat. Because we're like, oh, Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara. Okay, they're both Lashon Hara. He says, it's not just they're both Lashon Hara. We, we, I have you inside here a little bit of a piece of it, but I'll just tell you outside for a second. He, he says like this. What was the real mistake that Miriam and Aaron make in that story? When they say, Moshe Rabbeinu, and what do they say about him? The, he separated from his wife. They were. He's, right. He separates from his wife, right. and they say. We got Navuah. We're too, also Navuah. So, how come. Right. Right. What's their the, complaint? Moshe is so face unique. Face he's going to leave his wife. That's how Rashi explains, right? right. He left his wife. He, we're also Navuah. Hashem says Moshe's different. Ah. Because he saw Hashem. So, what's unique? So, what, so what does Hashem do? The, he, he actually shows up to them, pitom, all of a sudden. And the Medrash says they go to find water, I gotta wash my hands. What's Hashem doing that, doing that for? He's to teaching sh- them the difference between his relationship with them and with Moshe. Because Moshe Rabbeinu could speak to Hashem at any moment. They, if they want to get Nevuah, you have to get ready and go to sleep and all the story, get yourself prepared for Nevuah. Moshe Rabbeinu would have it at any second. So Hashem shows up to them any second to show them like, holy cow, this is not the same. Moshe Rabbeinu really is unique and different from us. Right? So, so says, why at that point did they suddenly start to... Be jealous. <laughs> well, they, I don't know why it was at that moment, but they, but they, whatever, whatever, maybe that's when they started realizing that he was separate from his wife. I don't know what happens at that moment. But it's, it's the moment that he's separate. It's one thing you see he's separating from his wife and they say, why are you living this weird lifestyle, which by the way is not a lifestyle that we expect of any other person except for Moshe Rabbeinu, right? To live separate from his wife. And we're Nevi'im, very high level people. And we don't do that. But Moshe Rabbeinu, we're with their sister-in-law. Like, what's going on here? And so what Hashem shows them is you don't understand that Moshe is unique and different from any other Navi that will ever exist, ever. He's unique and different. And what you're not realizing is you're using the wrong glasses. You're looking at Moshe Rabbeinu like you look at yourself. And it's not the same. Sorry. Says the Rav, that was the mistake the Miragam didn't learn. It wasn't Lashon Hara. What do they do? They go to Eretz Israel and they see big scary people. People are dying. Big, humongous fruit. This is not going to be an easy place. This is not a normal place, right? Or this place is, if I was traveling the world and looking for a place to live, I wouldn't choose this one, right? They, they couldn't down the scoop. Hashem set it up. They had funerals because Hashem didn't want that. That's the Medrash says, yes. Right, but they go and they see the land with what? Regular glasses. Right. 
And Hashem says to them, you don't get it. This isn't a regular land. This is this is the land that Kodesh Baruch Hu watches over. And by the way, he watches over so much that when the non-Jews take it over, it becomes a desolate desert. And when the Jewish people show up, all of a sudden it starts to bloom. This is not a normal place. Right? And so what the Rav said was, what, what, what Aaron and Miriam missed what, about Moshe Beno, the Miraglim, they didn't learn the lesson that some things are not the same. Some things are unique and different. Moshe Beno is unique and different. And Eretz Yisrael is unique and different among the lands. The lands. And that's what they missed. And that's why what the Miraglim should have learned was this, that certain things are different and unique and special and not like everyone else. And this land is not like every other land. And because they didn't have that perspective, that's how Anashim, Chashiva people, can make a big mistake. Right? And they walked in and they gave a true report, which Kalev says is true. Right? Because it is true. But it was the perspective, not recognizing and appreciating what was unique about it, which I thought was very like. And the reasons for those things existing. Right. You know, like the funerals so that they wouldn't. Right. So what? How do you. People would be distracted burying their people rather than attacking B'nai Yisrael. Right. Yeah. We've all probably had experience with people. Like, I have a certain person in my life who's like a super duper Amuna. She has like super duper Amuna. And like, I'm always like astounded by this person in my life. And like, and, uh, and. It's, it's helpful sometimes. Like, oh, like, you look at the world. Like, can we change? Like, can we trade glasses? <laughs> you know, that person's like, yeah, like, of course that happened because, like, it must not be the right time for that. And it's okay. It's going to be, like, what? it must be something else is supposed to happen. You're like, yeah, I guess so. You're so right. That must be what's happening. I just have a hard time looking at it like that. You know? And, like, and, but that's what a Baruch means. Like, you got to change the glasses sometimes. Right? We got to look at the world in a different way. Eretz Yisrael is not a regular place. Moshe Rabbeinu is not a regular person. We're not, regular, we're not a regular nation. The Torah is not a regular book. Right? And, we, and we, we just like, you know, we, we compare things. Like, oh yeah, like the Torah is like this, just like the Anafah is like that. No, it's not the same. Certain things are unique and different and special. And I, and I think that knowing that difference is also very important. It's important in life, right? Knowing how to distinguish between Kodesh and Chol, distinguish between things that are unique and special and different. Um, are certain relationships in our life that are more special than others? I need to be treated differently. My spouse and my children is different than my friends and my colleagues. I need a certain amount of attention. That's not, right? There's so many places, so many ways to look at the world and look at our people in our lives and remember the differences between them. And I think that itself is a, is a lesson here also. So this is kind of like, I guess, like a potpourri of ideas today, this, this week. But an idea about the, what, what the Anashim, what they messed up, right? what it meant to be a person who forgets what's Emes and Sheker, what it means to be, uh, why Kalev doesn't respond because there's nothing to say. It is true. But we have to sometimes have a minute to, to fight it through. And what the, what the Moroccan didn't learn, couldn't recognize and appreciate the uniqueness. Okay. Shkayach.